afternoon and good night and welcome to the amateur otaku podcast the official anime podcast of revenge of the fans i am brandon alvarado but i am only one of your hosts as usual i am accompanied by the one the only the mad isaac wolk what is up man Spitek, 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 spitek. That was marvel. That was uh, I don't know what to say, but that sounded marvelous. Uh, spitek, 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 spitek. Um, this is a new. Um, are we learning a new language, Isaac? Is that is that what this episode is? I did not look at the agenda at all. <laughs> Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Awesome. Awesome. Welcome, everybody, to the Amateur Otaku episode 11. Um, Can you imagine this, Isaac? Could you? Isn't it exciting? This is our 11th episode. Um, I'm really excited, um, especially with the subject matter, um, us being able to get together and talk anime and share with all these great fans, Revengers, and Otakus of this great community. Great anime stuff that they should be watching, um, that that they really should pay attention to. So I'm really excited for the show we have together for them. How about you, Isaac? And um, agreed, agreed. It's just one thing that's uh, uh, one thing that's depressing about this. This is the last episode that we can uh, in a while that we can say that we are doing it in the binary code. We're not programming this anymore. Wow. Um, <laughs> how hard <laughs> did you work? Um, ladies and gentlemen, you can see the arduous um, task and the seriousness that Isaac uses to write these jokes and these um, elaborate schemes. And um, I'm really grateful to, to be able to lend my ears to the magic that comes out of my Swedish friend's mouth. <laughs> right. Right. I hear you say them on the spot. God damn it. <laughs> so, Isaac, um, I think it's been a while. I know that we recorded um, last week, which for those that haven't, you actually you have to check out last week's episode where we were able to bring um, Myra Francisco Robles, the editor-in-chief of Rest of the Fans. And we talked superheroes. We talked Superman. But more importantly, we talked anime. We talked My Hero Academia. It was an awesome experience that me and Isaac had. Um, but, Isaac, I think it's been a while since we've actually – talked about how our day has been and what anime we've actually been watching, um, which is a, uh, a big topic of discussion whenever we start recording. And I wanted to bring it back um, because we're always watching anime, even if it's time, even if we don't record for a period of time, we're always watching stuff and commenting and we're always DMing on Twitter um, what we think about certain things. So Isaac, lately, what have you been watching, man? I'm uh, going through the library of uh, Studio Ghibli, honestly, and watching some of the Attack on Titan, uh, watching the Attack on Titan, and uh, what else? Uh, there is one thing I've uh, seen uh, on top of that that I know I have, but I can't remember the the name of it for the life of me, and it's Porter bothers me <laughs> well let's do this uh, let me let me get into my list 
of what I've been watching, and hopefully it will emerge from the depth of your soul, and you'll take over my discussion. Sounds good? Yeah. That, <laughs> uh, that sounds like a plan. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, I have... Um, I've been watching... Anime-wise, I've been watching Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, this classic mecha science fiction philosophy thingamajig that's that's in, that's now on Netflix and I'm really happy that they brought this classic to Netflix because um, this is one of those anime classics that you cannot find anywhere like nobody streams this the only way that you would watch Evangelion is if you actually buy the series which is rare to find it so, <laughs> rare is an overstatement right it's a, sorry it's an understatement yeah and i'm really happy that next was able to work out this deal and i'm really enjoying it i know people are like complaining and crying about oh no the kanji doesn't have subtitles oh no some of whatever the translation is wrong it's like i don't care the anime is actually brilliant so I can uh, I can understand the kanji because everyone can't read kanji, but besides that, yeah, I agree. Yeah, the anime is fantastic. The animation for that era is superb. Um, it's like top tier '90s animation, um, and I love how this show, apart from the fact that it goes against all the stereotypes of the time, because for example, apart from the Genesis and Evangelion, at that time, what was popular? Dragon Ball, um, Pokemon probably starting to come out. Um, most anime were a straight through a specific genre for a specific audience. This was directly directed for adults, and it took itself seriously because it was ser- it was it is serious. Um, I'm 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 having a blast with it. Like um, I know that you are in a corner. Um, waiting excitedly for me to watch <laughs> to get to the point to watch the movie, which anybody that knows anime knows that the the Evangelion movies are a great big point of conspiracies. Um, uh, not conspiracies. Um, the word I'm looking for is controversy, um, hate from fans to the creators. Um, but. I'm looking forward for all these experiences because the anime is solid and I really am enjoying it. And, and I like how it subverts the genre. You know what I mean? Because the main character is a kid that is forced to be a hero and he wants nothing to do with it. He just wants to be accepted by his father. And he starts doing this thinking that that's what's going to bring him acceptance. And then he finds out that it doesn't. So now he's trying to find a reason for himself to be this person because he's the only one. So it's like, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's a very, very smart show. So I'm like halfway through it. I think it's 26 to 28 episodes long. I'm in episode 12 or 13. I believe we finally got a Suk- Ahsoka and she is mad. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean the the anime is fantastic. I know you've probably seen it more than once, but I think the anime is fantastic. I'm really happy that I I I 
I'm watching it right now. I ju- I recently downloaded the latest um, chapter of Attack and Titan. I have not read it, but my buddy from Puerto Rico is going, you have to read this. It's amazing. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm waiting for a quiet moment where I can just devour it like a Titan eats a baby. I'm sorry. That was, that was dark. I apologize. <laughs> but um, yes, that's what I've been doing. Um, and that's a... I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it right up front. That dad is an freaking asshole. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And it's crazy how how um, he just he is so blinded by his duty that he thinks it's okay. Like he actually, you can tell that it's not that he wants to be an asshole, but he kind of cares is that he literally, you can see that he literally believes that it's okay for him to be a dick because he's saving the world. You know what I mean? It's like the, it's like the most anti-hero of anti-heroes, which technically makes him the evil one, really, even though he's trying to save the world and blah, 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 blah. So, you know what he reminds me of in terms of his egotistical demeanor? I don't, remind- know. I, like, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Does it reminds you of Lex Luthor's uh, uh, rare uh, constructed uh, cousin uh, from his father's <laughs> side, the nephew's uh, right corner? Yes, but not, but <laughs> to be more specific, he actually reminds me a lot of Oximandius from Watchmen. Mm, I can see that. Where he's like this quote-unquote hero figure that does consider himself above humanity because of what he's doing. Even if his plan consists of disregarding love, disregarding emotion, disregarding millions of people because they justify the means and all that stuff. I don't know. It, it's such a... Definitely is a deep dive philosophical anime. I recommend Evangelion to anybody that wants to watch a thought-provoking show. I'll let you know if my thoughts change when it ends and when I watch the movie. <laughs> Which Isaac is Isaac Isaac keeps telling me that I'm gonna end saying what the at the end of that show, but it remains I, to be seen. I'm specifically talking about the end of Evangelion movie, which is yes, which. Do some scene if you understand completely what I mean, and we're going to do an, uh, we're going to do a commentary track for that movie later, uh, when he is uh, watching it live during that one, and I'm just going to laugh out loud like a ma- madman. Well, that sounds like another day in paradise, doesn't it, Isaac? <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> if we are doing an, uh. uh I'm. Uh, I am arguing if we were going to do. We should do a, a do a compre- um, When we do an episode of Evangelion, we should talk about the, the horrible ripoff called Devadasi. But that's besides the point. You have to. You. This was one of those classic moments, ladies and gentlemen, where Isaac mentioned a very obscure anime. And I went like, and I just did not understand anything because, dude, 
just so you know, Isaac, you have watched so many anime that you mentioned names that I have not even heard of or imagined. <laughs> so I do not know what you said. I am interested in what you said. I'm going to be thinking about it in my sleep till I die. So I, <laughs> I am not happy that you keep dropping these bombs of knowledge. You need to stop. <laughs> I mean, uh... the mad doctor. <laughs> I mean, I'm called a doctor for for a reason, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, in case you didn't know, with Evangelion, there was a lot of rip off, and Devadasi is the most blatant one, so say the least. It's so funny that you say that because one of the things that comes to mind, and we need to get back on track to what the episode. It's going to center today, but um, I'm glad that we're catching up on stuff that we enjoy um, as well. And we're watching currently. But one of the interesting thing about Evangelion is that Evangelion is not the first mecha anime. Like Robotech was very big before that. You have Gundam. It was huge before this. So, so Evangelion coming into the scene really needed to be something unique. And I'm really happy that it is. I'm really happy that they're doubling down on a on on, on something more meaningful and that goes down downright to the human experience where the the mecha battles are just part of the exterior coding of everything else that they're talking about exploring that I personally wouldn't watch or wouldn't I wouldn't go to Mobile Suit Gundam to watch what I go to see in Evangelion. Does that make sense? So um I don't know man I, I, I can see why Netflix put the, put down the big bucks to bring this home. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. So. But, uh, and I know that I'm going to get some flack for this. And I really don't care. But uh, I don't like a certain Sundara in that uh, <laughs> from that series. Yes, I'm not a fan of Asuka because she annoys the liver, uh, living crap out of me. <laughs> well, in the sense of she being annoying. She thinks she's a hot shot, but she doesn't really have any form of a badass moment until uh, until uh, one of the movies. And... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think this character I but you know, what's funny, though, and um, before we move on and um, what's interesting about uh, the character of Ahsoka is that Ahsoka um, actually is there to fill a classic anime character role. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so um, we really have to. Um, but but then ahead. again, I'm not that biggest fan of Sundara characters from the from the beginning. So maybe it's that's that. Uh, to be quite honest, it's uh, how should I put it? There are exceptions of Sundaras that I like, sure, but there aren't many. There aren't many. So that's what we've been watching. I've been watching Evangelion. Um, Isaac has been 
getting caught up with the Attack on Titan Season 3, Part 2. Um, I'm really behind. Go ahead. I have watched uh, something more than just that, dude. Ooh. What have you watched, sir? I have started to watch uh, the Fate series, and oh, Lord, that's gonna... The Fate franchise, and uh, that will take a while to... Uh, yeah, next, uh, Fate Day, Fate Zero, and that will take a while to go through. <laughs> and uh, you, so you, that, what? You've taken the dive, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. Nice. I, have, nice. Uh, I haven't uh, watched it before recently because of just like you with one uh, one piece. It had so much, uh, so much things to start on that I was where do I even begin but uh, uh, recently I decided uh, put on the gloves uh, put on the sweatbands uh, and uh, and uh, put on the iron tiger music and just let's begin and start to uh, watch, uh, watch it and so far so good actually it's uh, I uh, really liked it and uh, outside of that I have uh, watched book uh, Black Lagoon, which is a show that I think we should uh, talk about. Uh, one episode. Have you seen that show? I have not seen it, but it's always drawn my attention because it's another, I would say, another Cowboy Bebop esque show in terms of how it handles um, like a military group and and just an ensemble cast. Yeah. Um, and it looks very interesting. Yeah, and that's another one, one of those short miniseries ones. Was actually I was gonna say that even though fate, the fate series that you're watching now, um, it's it's a lot of episodes. At least fate is a lot of, it's a lot of short miniseries. So it's a lot more a more concise viewing because you have fate night. Fate Stay Night, which is probably 20, 25 episodes. Then you have Fate mm-hmm. Apocrypha. So it makes it a little easier as opposed to you going to, oh, I'm going to watch One Piece. 800. <laughs> Dude. You're, yeah. Dude, you're, you're still going to watch One Piece. You're not going to get away with that. I'm not trying to run away. I'm already drowning. Okay? <laughs> Literally. Dude, I, I, I'm a... If I... Uh, if, you're gonna to want one piece, even if it's the last thing I'm doing, and you're gonna watch the entire thing from the beginning, young man. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm gonna wake up two years from now with very poor eyesight and be I eat one piece for breakfast. <laughs> exactly. So. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, so, let's move along. That's what we've been watching. It's been a lot, and, and I'm glad that we got a chance to catch up. Um, for those last thing, last thing before we before we before we uh, continue, Ray uh, Ravi is uh, Ravi or however you pronounce it is uh, is frigging ba- a badass. I'm just gonna say. Uh, Say that. You mean you mean Ray the 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 the, the pilot for zero zero for Evangelion zero zero? I'm talking about uh, the the ba- uh, the chain smoking uh, dual reading uh, badass from uh, Black Lagoon. Oh okay, 
Oh, that's the female character, the main female character. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's actually one of the main reasons why I want to watch that show, because like every time, like I've seen, and I think everybody here that's listening to podcasts has listened to one or maybe too many Watch Mojo episodes because they're addictive. Like you start one and then you find out you saw like six top ten lists. <laughs> so a lot of the anime badass character ten lists or top series, Black Lagoon is there, and they talk about her. So. So yes, you are correct, and I'm not surprised that you're enjoying that, because I you can tell that she's one of the more interesting and likable characters of the show. Um, and she's like a, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, she's like a Spike character, where she puts out an exterior, but she has all this trauma, right? Yeah, I would say that the Spike is more or well behaved than she is, but yeah, I agree with you. Okay. Nice. Now I'm excited. Damn it, Isaac. Giving me more stuff to watch. It's like every time you open your mouth, I'm drowning and falling down my chair on top of all this anime madness. But then again, I love it, so it's all my fault, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, also, I can uh, tell uh, the viewers uh, so much uh, that we're. Uh, I'm going to do my best to have. Uh, we're doing to go up. Uh, uh, we're going to uh, try and do uh, to do uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're trying to do uh, I'm going to try and do to have uh, our dear Brandon do a commentary on Ninja Resurrection and that will I don't know if that will be even more glorious than doing the Evangelion uh, commentary episode because so before we continue to drown and go off the rails, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this course and take it back to to the stable, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, um, I I damn it, Isaac, you need to do, stop. <laughs> do you do you even know what I'm talking about when I'm yes. talking about Ninja Resurrection? Yes. I remember we talked about most crazy, up, um, obscure animes, and you brought up <laughs> Ninja Resurrection with this Black Dragon Jesus person. Yeah, and I had forgot about me mentioning that. Oh, trust me! As soon as you said that, it burned into <laughs> my brain, and I will never forget. My father yeah. has heard me and granted my word. My revenge, and that's Isaac as a baby, <laughs> and that was uh, isn't even close to has uh, hammy and uh, <laughs> overreacted like this. Oh, I need I need to have you watch that, and it just give me a big old laugh. I have so, so see- much. Uh, I have so much obscure anime that I need to have you watch. You know what? You know what's crazy, Isaac. You you kind of become shy, and you ask about <laughs> how do people see me when we talk about Smash Brothers, and I always say that they see you as a bully, as someone that plays way too well. And then you say, "No, I'm a good person." And then you say stuff like this, <laughs> where you want to just make me watch anime that will freak me out and want to gauge my eyes out, or at least. Wear earplugs for the rest of my life. 
like I want to do right now after hearing you talk about this Jesus figure. Oh my. Okay. So I'm not going to Isaac, Isaac, too much madness. We got to take it down a notch. There's a little bit. Okay. I'm just going to show you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Korean knockoff uh, of the Dragon Ball called Super Kids and also Biohunter and Twilight of the Dark Master. Is that okay? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm scared now. Okay, that's it. Uh, so that's okay. Good. Good. Okay. Oh, wow. So that's, that was your goal? For me to tremble and fear in, 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 the, in the midst of the madness that you're employing here? <laughs> of course. Of course, man. man. So, ladies and gentlemen, this show <laughs> has been brought to you by Isaac's Madness. Um, I have nothing else to say today, but uh, I'm going to go home now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, even though, even though we... Wow. I'm just going to let him digest that. You're good. You're good. Drink some water. Just breathe. <laughs> this is fantastic. This is fantastic. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I could just show in the dark myth and maze while we're at it. Okay, no, maze is too cruel, or is it? Um, so, I don't know. we, uh, I, I, I have a backlog of. Uh, of uh, anime I want him to watch and we do a commentary on so I, I, I can see you're planning your <laughs> conquering of my sanity <laughs> for the last five years I feel that this um, I've been set up but I can't run away now <laughs> um <sighs> so Let's see if we can make it to the end of this episode, Isaac. You think we can make it to the end of this episode? I don't know. Can we? Can we? That's a very good question. So, guys, that's what we've been watching. And a nice dose of Mad Isaac. Um, but we're going to move on. You ready, buddy? I'm ready. I, I almost thought that you were going to drown in maniacal laughter for a minute there, by the way. Like, I can see you just <laughs> laughing with your hands towards the sky and just going down a rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, I lost him. And I was it's just okay. waiting for you to resurface. It, it was close. It was, it was, it was fascinating. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to write this down under nightmares in my journal. <laughs> <laughs> So, those, <laughs> so this is episode 11 of the Amateur Talker podcast. Those that joined us at episode 9 um, know that we started the month of June with celebrating the one and only um, Japanese studio known as Studio Ghibli. Um, recognized world worldwide as one of the most premier anime animation studios and animation studios, period. Um whose head Hayao Miyazaki is considered one of the one of his generations and our century's greatest storytellers and animators. Um, we talked about Whisper of the Heart. 
we talked also about My Neighbor Totoro, um, two very big figures and movies that put Studio Ghibli on the map. And today we're going to talk about two other big achievements, um, movies that we love and enjoy, and movies that if you have not seen, we strongly believe you just see them. They will impact your life. They will fill your heart. And um, you will mesmerize at the beauty of these movies, both in story and animation alike. But also, these are movies that broke boundaries. And pretty much, if 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 the other movies put Studio Ghibli in the map, or at least distinguish them, um, these are the movies that pretty much made Studio Ghibli a household name around the world as the top-notch studio that it is known as today. Um, and what are those movies that we're talking about today, Isaac, as we continue to celebrate Studio Ghibli? We are talking, of course, about Cyber City and Berserk. No, 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 sorry. We're talking about Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke. Yes. Um, you know what I found out when I was looking up information of Spirited Away, which kind of blew my mind? Did you know that in Japan, Spirited Away beat the box office against Titanic? Yeah, but that uh, the Princess Mononoke did that too, as far as I know. That is crazy. It made almost $300 billion in Japan. That is is crazy. This movie was a powerhouse, but it is the most simplest of stories, don't you think? Um, Spirited Away. Go ahead. Hot hot take. I think Titanic is extremely overrated. But anyway. Everybody knows that. Just as Avatar. Yeah, I said it. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, Spirited Away is. Um, let's talk about a little bit about, about what the story is and and what the um, the movie was. Spirited Away came out, I believe, it was in the year two thousand in the year two thousand one um, in Japan and then in the states. Um, Disney, similar to what they did with Mononoke and Totoro. In its re-release in the 2000s, um, Disney co-produced this movie, and um, John Lasseter, um, one of the one of the heads of Pixar at the time, which was a big friend and admirer of Hayao Miyazaki, convinced Disney to buy the distribution rights. That's how Spirited Away came to the states. Spirited Away, as we talked about, beat Titanic in, in the domestic box office at Japan. Not only that. It is the winner of the Best Animated Feature Academy Award in the 75th Academy Awards. And it is the first in history, if not the only one, animated, hand-drawn movie that has won an Oscar. That's crazy. That's, like, huge. Huge. Um, But, and it's a movie that Surprisingly, I, I rewatched it. I've seen it at least twice now. I rewatched it before I, 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 I we recorded. And man, this movie is it's something special. Um, it's so funny how it's super deep, but it's super simple at the same time. Um, everything 
even the little pieces of the world that are still that are not even characters themselves like the whole world is a character um i don't know man i love the story what are your thoughts on spirit away when did you watch it for the first time i i discovered it this year um as i was diving deep down more and into anime and stuff like that um when did you discover spirit away i was uh discovering spirited away when i was a kid like i've told them before uh, i'm not uh, someone that have uh, grown up in the typical uh, disney marvel the uh, dc comics and all that yes my uh, my yes was mostly stuff like anime and giblis and all that yes and mm-hmm. i when did i saw spirited away I think I was I think I was like fourteen at the time. Mm. So you probably pretty much watched saw it for the first time when it came out, you would say? Sort of. Yeah. Uh, what I like the most about Chihiro's story um is isn't it such a relatable story from the get-go? I mean, let's do a little bit of a recap and and correct me if I'm if I need to if I'm missing any key elements, Isaac. Um, so Shihiro, our main character, um, is a ten-year-old girl that is moving to a new place, to a new town, to a new school, which. What if you ever been a kid? I mean, I've been a kid. Have you been a kid, Isaac? <laughs> um, when you have a circle of friends or you have a place that you feel comfortable with, abrupt change can be traumatizing to a child. It's not something that um, every child is prepared for. It's a big challenge, and of course, you can see in the beginning of the movie that it's something that. You, from the get-go, I love how every and I've seen it with every Studio Ghibli movie. They all start the ground running. Like, you can't breathe. Like, you see the credits, and then the movie just goes. And, like, they, much, and, yeah. and as, soon as, they, as soon as it goes, it grabs you, and it just takes you on a journey. And that's, that's one of the characteristics that I love. Like, they don't waste any time. Um, they just grab your attention and go. So they're, they're, they're moving to a new place. Shihiro doesn't feel, doesn't, is not feeling it. She's not happy about it. She is missing her friends missing her environment and then suddenly her pe- his dad takes a detour or gets lost on their way to their house um and they encountered this abandoned quote-unquote station and when they go to this tunnel they end up entering into the spirit world without knowing um and then you of course you have the adventure unfold and we're just going to talk about little things here and there. Um, we definitely are going to be spoiling stuff at this movie and of Princess Mononoke when we do talk about it. So if you haven't seen Spirit Away or Princess Mononoke, I would highly recommend you watch it before we break down and dive deep into these movies. Um, if you don't care about spoilers, stay with us and hear about why we love these films and then go watch them. Um what what do you like about the story, um, Isaac, and of the character of the main character Shihiro? Um, what do you like about it? How should I put this? It's you can 
you know how I talked about uh, uh, talked about uh, with uh, my neighbor Toker on how uh, it was a sort of like uh, about children's imagination uh, imagination in the new environment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can sort of like uh, seeing uh, the same thing here, although this is not uh, just imagination and having fun in the in the environment, this is sort of like facing the fear of uh, uh, changes and uh, what comes up next and, mm-hmm. and uh, just uh, growing as a person from that. And, right. Uh, learning, uh, learning to face, uh, face fear and uh, obstacle around uh, along the way. You get what I'm saying? A hundred percent. And and what makes it so interesting <clears throat> is how how he used this tale of encountering spirits working in the spirit world um, with a child um, and making this story solely about her and how she faces this new reality. Um, and the first thing that Miyazaki does is take the parents out of the picture. Yeah. That was fantastic. I found it fantastic. I mean, it's crazy how it happens that they're pretty much because of their gluttony, because of their disregard to the place that they were. And it's funny because one of the things that you kind of notice with Shihiro that because she is a child and because she probably has been taught matters or because she doesn't agree with the change that her parents are forcing onto her, um, she is fearful of the of the new area that they're entering as they go into the spirit world, and their parents are like prideful. I don't care. So you can tell, like you can see, like that sensitivity of a child that um, when they're scared, they're very respectful of what's in front of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're guarded. And kind of, and it kind of tells you in a way that that fear is okay. That fear sometimes can protect you, which is what she here was able to see, especially when you see her parents turn into pigs. But I like how he used that mechanism to get the parents out of the way and focus the story on this girl and her journey into learning that she can overcome, which is really what it is. Um, with everything that happens in the bad house, um, how she gets a job and convinces Ubaba, Ubaba for a job. And um, I don't know. I think she's one of my favorite characters so far because any, you can see here, any child that, that wants to become an overcomer or to become a better version of themselves um, or they want to be better, whether it is at sports, whether it's life or it's getting adjusted. Um, kids go through, a lot of hard things, a lot of tough changes. It takes a really brave, kind heart to over, to be a to be noble and to be kind, in spite of everything that's going on, which Shihiro symbolizes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's why I like her. Yeah. Um, you, what you, uh, sp- you spoke about uh, uh, their gluten, which is actually pretty interesting because. This is sort of like a uh, subject that uh, they are uh, that Miyazaki is using more than once. Uh, just uh, 
Kanske det ut. Okay, fått ut. Because, uh, because we're, uh, we're, I'm going to go more into that in uh, into it in the, the Princess Monarchy segment, but knowing what he what he has done with his movies, most most, most importantly his sort of like epics, if you know, um, mm-hmm. like Spirited Away, Princess Monarchy, Nasaka, Wild of the Wind. There is also a part of uh, you know it's a bit on uh, outside of it being female leads is that they have a theme that keeps it connected mm-hmm. and I can do uh, I can bring bring that up more when we go into Princess Mononoke but it's uh, it's worth considering uh, worth bringing it up that. It's uh, a point that that you can see in other Ghibli movies. And you say that about the theme of gluttony and themes and very basic themes of human nature. I think it's something that you see in every Ghibli movie. It's like he is very, I think mainly because of the sensitivity he has and the way, or his team, not just him, because other members of his team write stories and direct as well but as a studio as, as a whole um they handle a lot of these very human themes of whether it's greed whether it's pride whether it's love in a very simplistic manner because of how they are prone to do things to approach children so in a way that they can embrace that but the images that they use for that are impactful for adult viewers as well. For example, the pigs in Spirited Away. And and, and you're right, like in every in every movie, like you say that, and I think about I think about the character that is the villain in Castle in the Sky. He was hungry for power, and all you can see is how he's consumed by that hunger for power. That that, that yeah. greed is for power. Um, you can see that in Jigo. In Jigo, um, the monk in Princess Mononoke. So, so yeah, I but, agree with uh, you. We save that when we come to uh, yeah. Princess Mononoke. Yeah, but you're right. That's a good catch. That's that's very true. Um, and, and and it's so funny how you say that. Like, I, you know how a lot of people talk about there's like this Ghibli universe. I don't care or think about that. I think it's just that no matter what movie they do, it's just that you can tell that they have a high bar for what their standards are, for what lessons, for what their... I think it has to do with their worldview as a studio, that there's certain things that they consider universal, but what makes them fascinating is that they always find creative ways to to talk about these universal topics and stories. Does that make sense? Yep. So, so, good catch. That was, that was awesome. Um... It wasn't as pronounced as other movies, but it's amazing how he takes his time to talk about nature. Um, when we talk about the stink monster or the river spirit that was invaded by garbage and pollution. And, and how, how, how important us as humans valuing nature, valuing earth is so important to him 
Um, and he believes it should be important to us because he 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 sees it as such a spiritual matter. Um, I, I love that about all his movies because he's fine. He always finds a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like there's so, there's no such thing as us becoming so evolved that we can that we should disregard where we come from or or who we interact with. Um, so let's talk about um, the idea of of Spirited Way. As as you mentioned before, this is a story of a girl that is going through change. It's about learning that. Because at the end of the day, it, which is the mar- which is why this movie is such a marvelous, un- marvelous display of storytelling craft. Because if we break this movie down to the, its most basic principle, it's the story about a young girl that that gathers the courage needed to embrace change. That's yeah. all it is. Nice because, right, right. So, so. Isn't it fascinating that you're able to that they're able to tell a story so grandiose and that is always just where it starts? Because this story could have easily not have anything to do with the spirit world. Yeah. But they use the spirit world as the canvas to tell the story. And it, it's fascinating how all their movies um are the simplest of movies of one specific theme. You can just you can, it's it's not like for example a Nolan, a Nolan movie, for example, you have to like dive deep and like get lost, and maybe you'll find two things out and come out with thirty more questions. This is like clear cut and dry, but it is so entertaining. Um, what are your favorite characters in this movie? There, there are a lot of them, but what are your favorite? Char- I, I'm going to tell you my wife's favorite character, but I'll get to that one in a minute. What is your favorite character? Let me guess. It's uh, your uh, your wife's uh, favorite. Character is the main character of uh, Spirit of the Way. It's not your hero. Your that's yours. Yes, it is. That's yours. Awesome, awesome. I I, I would go with you. I I, I love Chihiro. I I think she's one of the strongest leads in a in a in a Ghibli movie, and that's a lot to say because all the female leads in those Ghibli movies are amazing. Most of them. I would argue that it's one of the strongest lead in a movie. Period. One hundred percent. Um, my wife's favorite character, or at least the one that made her laugh the most, is the baby. <laughs> is Yubaba's baby, especially when Saniba turns him into a little bit at a little mouse. <laughs> that baby, to get just uh, is that where Hideo Kojima got his inspiration from that uh, <laughs> branding game. It is very possible. I wouldn't blame I, him. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you, uh, there's a lot of crazy. Me, and you call me crazy. No, there's a lot of crazy characters in this movie. I mean, there's so you'll see the radish spirit. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, it's this, this movie goes bonkers, but I love how it makes sense. Like, they work in this bathhouse where all the spirits come to renew their strengths before going back into the world and filling the world with life, um, wonder, um, and taking care of nature, because that's pretty much what they do. Um, I find the, I find how the, char- the character of Aku is okay. 
Um, he's also, we find later on that he's a spirit, but, um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm mixing stuff. Sorry. Let me go back. So the bathhouse, I like how it talks about, it pretty much talks about how nature finds a way to renew themselves and how this bathhouse works to help these spirits renew themselves. Um, and it's interesting how it, it, it shows us a picture of how even being, even the most strongest of entities, at least in the eyes of Shihiro, I'm thinking, um, need a break. Yeah. She's not the only person that goes through this epic change or or is delivered strong blows. Even like she can see that even the strongest and biggest of people um, are hit by life. And how a little help from someone goes a long way. Because I can imagine me being a child and being able to help a river spirit find relief and rest like what she did in the bath. I mean, of course, the movie doesn't go into detail in showing this, but it shows you how you can tell that that's how she learns to to accept the help of other people and start seeing that with, with one step at a time helps from Kamanji. Lynn and all these people around her, she's able to move forward. She's able to grow. She's able to to acquire the bravery to to fight for what she believes in, for what she cares about. Um, which leads us to the relationship that she has with Haku. Um, am I the only one that thinks that even though he's a great character, he pretty much is like the straight man in this movie. <laughs> like he is one thing, not that much depth. But I like the contrast that he has with Shihiro. Does that make sense? He's a straight man. I was, uh, uh, I was uh, thought it was a circle. Well, maybe in dragon form. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. Like he's he's a he's that character that is like unidirectional, unidimensional. Um, but it 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 plays a good contrast against Shihiro. Um, I like how their story intertwines and develops. Um, what did you think when you saw what No Face became? Or at least the character of No Face. What are your thoughts about that? The character of No, no Face makes the, makes the uh, movie uh, unsuitable for kids to watch. I agree. But at the same time... It, but that's that's funny though, it, to a degree, because he is the scarier, the scariest of all characters. Um, but I would I would even say that this is a movie accessible for children, even if it's scary, because because when you find out why No Face is this way, like when you hear him say that he is doing everything in his power, like he eats people, but it's because he's lonely, because he feels empty. Because he's by himself, because he's despised by everyone, like he's not allowed to in that in the bathhouse. When he's finally accepted into the bathhouse by none other than Shihiro, which is the which is one person, which is funny because Shihiro was the person that at one time was despised and was not wanted. And when she found refuge in the bathhouse, now she's opening the door to someone else that feels the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah, but uh, and the, the the design, the behavior, and all that just makes just no, 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 no. no. <laughs> the, this is not a kids' movie, as in uh, how should I put it? 
maybe uh, show it for like a seven, uh, eight, nine year old, but like a five oh, to yeah, six. Yeah. Five to six. Oh, hell no. Oh, no. I, I get what you're saying. That I can agree with. That mm. I can agree with. But I like how, how, because technically, but then again, when you actually, maybe just me as an adult, and I think I get what you're saying, because maybe the reason, because I am an adult, I am viewing the same way, but pretty much no name, no face, no name, no face is, no um, face, no name, no name, sorry, go on, uh, well, well done, uh, in two and two, um, so, <laughs> so um, the thing with no face is that he is pretty much a child that wants attention and, 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 and talks about that desire for attention, which is funny because that's what Chihiro was going. It's like, it's a mirror for Chihiro. And once he throws this tantrum that he pretty much destroys the whole bathhouse, but then Chihiro kind of like tells him, even though he throws this tantrum and Chihiro shows him kindness, he's able to find a home. It's, um, and he finds what he's looking for, and he kind of finds out when he gets, for example, when he goes on the train ride with Chihiro at the end, and and um, the baby and all that, and they get to Saniba, he finds out that, wow, I I didn't need to buy companionship. I didn't need, I just needed to be myself. I just needed to be present. And and even though it took a while, people that truly care will show empathy, will show care, which um. I don't know, man. Those are the kind of things that, for me, make this movie so deep. <laughs> like, super deep. Like That's so deep, man. That's so deep, so man. Deep. Yeah. Um, unless you have something... Do you have anything else you want to add, character-wise? Anything else that, that makes you... That stands out to you? In terms of writing? No. In terms of this, uh, design, where do I even begin? Go ahead. I mean, I mean, it's just so colorful in, in design-wise and character-wise, which is honestly why the sister of the, for the owner of the bathhouse is actually a disappointment because she, she, she just looks identical, which makes me. But you could come up with so much, uh, so many characters and all that. Yes, but you're just going, uh, just doing a copy of. Uh, the bad lady, so to speak, mm-hmm. instead of doing a, something new and more unique. I'm not saying that you should uh, you should have something like, oh, she's pretty, so she's nice, but you could still have another, you know, that type of thing, uh, which I don't think would have a fit for this uh, story, considering what the theme is, but Something more, uh, something more different in terms of design, at least. Yeah. Now that you, you know what makes me think though, um, um, that is a very good point. And um, the only thing that I can use or think of that would that probably justified that decision was that um, is is the thing that a child doesn't really care about appearances; they just care how they're treated. Yeah. I get you know, that. I get that. No, but but I and I and I and and but I get also what you're saying because it's it, it's one of those things. It's one of those characters that you could just evaluate at different levels, you know. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's what I think about. So um, it is surprising that they look exactly like they even have the same rings on their fingers. It's it's stupid crazy how exactly the same they are. But with the kindness that Saniba showed, you can tell how she's she's Chihiro's demeanor completely changed. Um, and um, how how I wrapped the story very nicely in terms of her journey and all that. Um, now, before we move on, is there anything else you want to talk about characters or anything in particular? Mm-hmm. There's, there's one more thing I want to talk about this movie. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? When it comes to character, no. Okay. Story-wise, any thoughts, ideas? Mm, not really. So, I think the biggest... Uh, for me, one of the biggest philosophical points. I'm not a philosopher, but I like to talk about stuff that I don't understand. Wait a minute. Is that a philosopher? No. <laughs> um, I love how it deals with the set, with the with the concept of identity. Um, and like the how it goes into the importance of a name. The importance of memories, um, how memories or moments or a name defines a person. Um, I love how it's explored in this movie in a way that even a kid can. Un- I-, I keep going to the same thing, I know, but um, a concept That's so, so childish of you. That's so childish of you. No, and, and, and but the beauty, the reason I'm saying it is because I am just so amazed how. Something so profound, they're able to find a way to explain it to a child. It's like, hey, you knowing who you are and knowing your name, it's powerful. And they just tell the whole story with that, that a kid can go, I'm Brandon and there's no other Brandon like me. Or You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just powerful, man. And, and it's like, how in the because pretty much what they're saying is in the midst of all the changes and all the madness that life is going to throw at you, if you remember who you are, if you remember where you came from, you can get to the other side. Because technically, that's how Shihiro survived. In the midst of it all, she didn't forget her parents. In the midst of it all, she didn't forget Haku's kindness. And in the midst of it all, she didn't forget her name. She grabbed onto that, and that's what allowed her to triumph above adversity and decipher the mystery of the pigs <laughs> which is by the way it was super crazy and like got me all squeamish whenever they showed those scenes with all the pigs i got like so nerve-wracking <laughs> um I, I i i you know what if i were in shahiro's shoes i don't think i would have survived i would have become a ferret if I was a ferret, I would forget my name. Wait, what? Um, how many songs do you have? I feel you have a list, <laughs> and I do not want to know how long it goes. Uh, no, I'm just uh, go through. Um, just uh, take one uh, from the head. Nice. So, any other thoughts before we move to our other awesome feature? Mm, no. Awesome. So those were our thoughts, guys, on Spirited Away. I mean, 
I know I waxed philosophical or poetic. That's why I have Isaac here to keep me mad and grounded um, with with spontaneous songs about how I'm a ferret. Um, so <laughs> we loved Spirited Away. Um, this movie is worthy of an A+. Um, I can totally see why it won the Oscar when it won it. Um, it deserves it now and forevermore. If you guys can watch it on Blu-ray on a 4K TV like I have the privilege of doing now with my new television, oh my goodness, it looks gorgeous. But even in regular DVD, the animation is amazing. And by um, the way, I don't agree with your, your statement because I gave it an S+. Plus. Okay, first of all, we never we talked about this, Isaac. We do not give video game ratings to a movie. Okay? It's A+. Plus. Okay, Cinema S- score, damn it. Okay, SS+. Plus. You know that you're just making this worse, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, know. I know. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, us at the Amateur Otaku give Spirited Away an SS+, plus rating. Okay, I, uh, so not an A+, plus. I thought we agreed on that. <laughs> I think it's time to move on, Isaac. <laughs> so, right, guys, so we love Spirit Away. Go watch it. You need to. Um, so, Isaac, I think it's best if you start this next section. Um, we're going to talk about one more movie before we walk away. And we left this one for to, towards the end of the podcast because there is so much to say about this one. This one is truly special. Um, they're all special, but this one is just particular. Um, Isaac, um, talk to us about Princess Mononoke. So should I talk in mono or should I talk in stereo? You should talk in mono stereo. But not stereo mono? Okay. <laughs> So, Isaac, what's our next topic today? It's about Princess Mononoke, which is a, a movie about a young prince that they get uh, possessed by a demon and is uh, searching uh, for a cure. While searching for the cure, he gets involved into a war between nature and mankind. And uh, you're trying uh, to, instead of uh, being a uh, one of the sides are trying to be neutral and stop both before both ki- uh, kills them all. Right. This movie is an epic. Right. It, it feels like a tra- not a tragedy, but it feels like like a Greek or like a drama, like something that's not your typical nine a.m video video cartoon or 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 regular tv you know what i mean it's not your it's not your typical kids movie this is not your typical ghibli story this is like it's like they set out to do their lawrence of arabia i think it's a great comparison in terms of its scope um it's 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 an epic it's a timeless classic um it is a very mature Miyazaki movie, especially in comparison to everything that they've done before, because um, even though they have handled before and after 
this movie mature themes. I don't think they've done a movie as serious and as grounded. In spite of all the fantasy and magic elements that they have, it is the most grounded Miyazaki movie I've ever seen. Um, go ahead. I wasn't saying anything. Do you want to say something? <laughs> no, it's just your madness fading away. Yes. Um, so um, I like how it's ambiguous. Um, it's especially in its characters, how the characters feel real. They feel like real people. Like you can't really tell who's bad or, or good, like because everybody has a very um, gray or clear motive that that is understandable. Like there's no there's no evil to root against. There's no good to stand behind. All you do is through the eyes of Ashitaka because he's like our perspective. He's our he's the character that we explore the word the world throughout through. Um, we're just seeing all these different people fighting for what they believe in, but without necessarily condemning them as the bad guy or the bad girl or you know what I mean. Yeah, and and that just makes this such a rich and interesting movie because all the characters feel real. They're coming out of the screen. Um, I think it was I was watching a I'm not gonna say the red carpet, but um, they were they were um, video commentating um, in one of the premieres um, in the U.S. Whenever Miyazaki actually traveled to the U.S. in 1999. To promote the U.S. release, partnering with Disney of Princess Mononoke. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the translation, especially for the songs, was actually done by British writer Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. And um, one of the things that he says about Hayao Miyazaki, especially, and I think it, it perfectly applies to Princess Mononoke, is that... His their stories are so rich, they're they are so real, their characters are so rich and palpable and relatable that the only reason why we can't he doesn't make these movies in live action is because his imagination is so limitless and and vibrant that no real life interpretation can capture it. It's and funny I think that you say that when it's uh, there is a live action Kiki the, the Kiki's delivery service movie. Really? Yep. Is it good? Eh, not really. <laughs> Was he involved? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Well, the good thing is that at least Dio Gaiman said this about Mononoke and not about Kiki's Delivery Service. <laughs> um, Fun fact about that movie. The look of that movie is uh, based upon... Uh, and uh, the, and Stockholm here in Sweden, and where he got uh, got um, his, uh, he got inspired when he saw the buildings and all that when he was traveling to Sweden to get the rice to people along. Uh, I don't know how you call uh, the red uh, red ponytail strong uh, world strongest female uh, strongest girl that book from Astrid Lindgren he tried to get the rights to uh, do an animated movie of that and uh, uh, she uh, refused that so but he got he uh, got uh, so much uh, 
uh, inspiration input that he they went back to Sweden and photographed about 80, 80, um, 80 rolls of the footage, so to oh, wow. speak. Wow. That's crazy. So so he just looked at the at that world or that environment in Sweden. That's what inspired him to do. It's it's amazing. I mean places I've I, I was also reading that when it comes to places and localizations, that's a big draw of inspiration for him. Like he sees a world that he likes that he wants to um um invest his creativity in and then you have all these stories that take place in different scenarios different places um i did not know that one about kiki thank you for sharing um so princess mononoke the music is amazing all the characters are interesting um the storyline is um complex intriguing um i like how each character Every main character is super interesting. Um, I kind of have a list of them. And Achitaka is the noble one. It's like the, he's like the one real good guy. Um, but some might question the fact that he was a good guy because he did kill people. But at the same time, he didn't kill people because he wanted to. He was just defending other people. So he would only raise a sword in defense of his ideal. The same thing goes with San, um, which is dubbed Princess Mononoke, which those that don't know, Mononoke stands for spirit or demon or princess of the demon or spirit because her his her adoptive mother, Moro, is a protector of the forest and is actually a wolf god. So that's why she's considered like a demon girl, even though she is human. Um, she fights to defend the forest and to defend her wolf tribe. Um, Lady Iboshi uh, is a truly, even though she is prideful, which is pretty much what, what leads her to um, be defeated towards the end. But she is such an interesting character because she is... First of all, she's a woman that's considered a lord or somewhat of importance, which in this, I'm, I'm, which to me, for the little that I know of Japanese culture, it's something rare, pretty much unknown on an era like this, because it's all paternal or male figures in Japanese culture most of the time, and in my understanding. But the reason that she was beloved by her people is because she made it her mission to take care of everyone that was despised, everyone that was um, the, considered the worst of the worst. Um, she made them her family, her workers, and she took care of them. She took in the lepers. She took in the, the, the prostitutes from the brothels. She took um, um, their husbands. Um, she created this community of people that were despised by society, and she was building up an army to show people that Everybody has value, which is super admirable. Like, like when you have this scene where Ashitaka is being given the tour of Iron Town, and um, she is talking to Lady Yiboshi about why she does or doesn't do these things. Like, he is questioning her motives and her way of thinking, but at the same time, she can't help. He can't help but see that in the midst of her lofty ideals, she does care about all the people that she's put under her care. Does that make sense? 
yeah. which which brings so much depth to this character. Um, do you want to talk about Jigo, which pretty much ties into the idea of the gluttony and the greed and the themes that we talked about it in Spirited Away? Mm, yeah, go for it. We can uh, you can start with your thoughts about him. Um, I like he's he's like the typical. I wasn't expecting him to be the. I don't want to say the villain, but I wasn't expecting him to be considered a villainous character in the movie. Um, but you can tell as the story progresses that he has one goal and one goal alone. He wants to be the most powerful person in the room. He has this hunger for power, and he's the one that drives this um, plot of killing the spirit of the forest and, and getting his head um, because I believe I think it was the emperor promised that he was he was going to give the empire or he's going to give the great he's going to give the greatest power to whoever gives him immortality. Is that what it was? I think. Uh, um, I think it was something like that, and that's why he wanted to kill the spirit of the forest because supposedly killing the spirit of the forest was the key to immortality. Um, I, can't rem- I can't remember that, uh, but yeah. then again, it's. Uh, Yes. Then again, it's uh, six uh, forty uh, here in Sweden, so I have an excuse <laughs> to remember a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, he symbolizes this greed, this hunger for power, and 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 he symbolizes. And the same thing happens to Boshi, how wanting to achieve their goal, in spite of the cost, in spite of what it costs. To, to, to progress and to be better, um, which is another topic of this movie, um, is that people that are greedy or that are consumed by by the want or a need or a desire tend to sacrifice the wrong things along the way. Pretty much, yeah. And, and that's kind of what you see in Eboshi and you see in Jigo. I mean, Jigo didn't really suffer, sadly, because all he did was use people. Um, and it's so funny because Jigo kind of at the same time reminds me of the Joker in the Dark Knight. Like he just wants to see the world burn. <laughs> and the way. Sort of. Right? Because the way, the way, it's, the way you kind of see him react after he lost, after he loses the head, he's like, oh, well, didn't work out. Let's find something else. <laughs> like he's just a schemer. He just likes to see. He just likes to be like in control of moving pieces, but Lady Eboshi, of course, lost an arm and and all that madness. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie is all kinds of deep. I mean, the, the animation is gorgeous. The action is truly, truly awesome. I think this is the most action I've seen in a Ghibli movie, at least of what I've seen. And As it's in physical, most brutal. yeah, like heads popping off and all that jazz. But I like how it doesn't feel out of place, because it, it it because it feels like from the very beginning, just like other Ghibli movies, it takes up and runs from the very beginning. But when it starts, you can tell from the very get go that this is going to be a different kind of movie. This is going to be something serious. It's going to be like an adventure, um, and it's going to have all these elements in it um, that are kept it interesting. Um, why do you like this movie? What do you love about Princess Mononoke? Outside of being, being in a brave movie, that uh, brave and inspiring movie that uh, 
as a message that is uh, sort of like timeless and it's uh, has some gr uh, one of the gr best animation I've seen of all time, even though it's what is it now? It's close to twenty years old, if mm -hmm. not more. And just uh, it has a story that that has uh, it's a movie that has aged well, both in animation and in in terms of story. Right. Right. I think I and think it's a, that... and then it's a bold movie. It is oh yeah. Time. Yes. It is very bold. Um, especially in, in, in the way it, I don't think it attacks, but the way it criticizes, um, the ferocity of progress, um, the, the, the social commentary on how, uh, which is a very Japanese thing. I, I, I'm going to say, um, especially in the way they take care of nature in Japan, in spite of, or at least with all the progress and technological advancements, um, um, how that can harm our society in more ways than one. Um, because yes, in the case of Iron Time, for example, they were getting money, they were getting riches, they were getting weapons, they were developing new technologies and all that stuff, but they were destroying nature in the process. Which is why uh, they... The point of gluten is uh, is something I uh, thought of when we are talk we talked about uh, uh, spirit of the way, for example, which mm -hmm. is you could argue that that is uh, another form of well gluten. Right, right. In in a smaller form of spirit of way, in a more grandiose, um, clear cut form here in in Brisbane, okay, yeah, because um, what what I like is how. The Earth will retaliate. Like the Earth is a, the, I like, I always love how nature in all their in all his movies tends to be a character in and of itself. Um, whether it's the spirit of the forest, whether it is the spirit of the river, or the the spirit of the Kohaku River in the case of Haku in Spirit of the Way, um, it, it it's it's a character that has a life that has a meaning that has a purpose. Like it, it and and it talks about how one's, one must respect nature and understand nature. Like, there's a reason a river goes one direction. There's a reason it doesn't go this other direction. There's something that's going to be affected if you change that course, um, without, whether you know it or not. And um, it's interesting how it shouldn't be mankind that decides what dies or what lives for them to prosper. There is a way to prosper without sacrificing life, which I think it's um, at least to the degree that they were doing. Because one thing is sacrificing life for sustenance and evolution. The other thing is sacrificing life or nature and just committing genocide because you're greedy, which is pretty much what's happening. Or at least what's happening even in our society nowadays with all the pollution and, and um, everything that's happening with global warming and all that stuff. Because all we're thinking is production, production, production. And we're not considering the cost that we're, that we're causing to ourselves. And with the way weather and, and ecosystems, this is not a science podcast, but how all those things are retaliating against us, humanity, is pretty much part of the message that um, 
Miyazaki and his crew were talking about in Princess Mononoke, which is a very real, real thing. And 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 it's funny because doesn't it make you think that Ashitaka? It it and I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed this, and I tell it to my wife all the time. Have you noticed that um, Miyazaki kind of always puts a character in his movies that kind of is a stand-in for himself? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, it, it's like, for example, in Whisper of the Heart, it's the father. Or the gra- or you can say either it's the father of the main character or the grandfather of, of the kid. Um, in... In Totoro is the father of the young girls. Um, in 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 Spirited Away, I I can't think of one, but for example, in this movie, I would for, argue that it's the uh, good sister. In you know? oh, um, as in Lynn. Yeah. Right. And that, that's the, a good example. And it's the uh, have you seen the Wind Rises? I have not. I have not had that's the privilege a, of watching that one. That's a, a movie that is uh, where you can see, uh, yeah, um, he, uh, Miyazaki stand in. It's the most obvious of them all. So to speak. Yeah. I'm just so going to that. Uh, okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. So once I watch it, I'll let you know what I think. Um, on this one, I would say I would argue that the stand-in for Miyazaki, or the person that that embodies his stance in the midst of everything that's happening, that's conflict, it's Ashitaka. Mm-hmm. That it that is um, Miyazaki standing, because he understands all the different arguments, but at the same time, he's arguing for peace. He believes that there is there sh- there has to be a way where we can move forward with our life, with our progress, without sacrificing each other. Like a group or a part of life does not to be, does not need to, of nature, does not need to, we don't need to lose our humanity for us to become better. And I think that's like the strongest argument here. Because in the case of Madame Bimochi, yes, she was a very human person, but she was she was losing her touch with valuing nature, valuing that her progress came from something. She thought she was superior to everything, which, of course, is what humbled her after she was able to be saved by the one person that could take her life and, and didn't or or was saved. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was a moment like it wasn't until that moment where she fought, found herself to not be able to defend herself that there's always going to be something stronger or more powerful that she was able to notice okay i have to do things differently i failed um and i love that she was humble about it um but yeah i think there's one of those movies that you can keep on going and go in a circle and just talk about the same things over and over again and keep finding it um i am gonna say I can't help but find it hilarious every time a Kodama runs and I can see their little butts um, climbing up trees. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. But those little tree spirits are just gorgeous. My oh wife my. Was, yeah. Little Kodamas. Uh, so cute. So cute. Um, 
Oh my, I didn't know that about you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm enjoying this movie for what it is, my friend. Um, I'm just teasing with you. I'm think... just teasing with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I think the last thing, because I think we've talked at nauseum about a lot of things in random, and we rambled, because that's what we do. We ramble. We don't talk, we ramble. Um, let's talk about the spirit of the forest. What a creepy looking thing. Interesting, <laughs> but creepy looking thing. It's a man, deer, leopard, whatever. I don't know what it is. Um, but what was the most interesting thing when you saw him for the first time? Did you find it weird that he had like the face of a man or, 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 or the way he was? Apart from the fact that he looks like a Pokemon. That's a different story. I would argue that he looks more like a, dig- a Digimon, even though he reminds me of Externals from Pokemon Y. Right. But... right. Hey, but, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, I, I should put it. The design made sense because it, because like it said in the movie, it's not uh, not only the like uh, the, the god of. Uh, life but it's also the god of death so it, they had to mix it mix up the uh, the the sign so it uh, doesn't look uh, as it's a god of one thing if you know what i mean i got you so it couldn't be completely human but it couldn't but it couldn't be completely animal either you needed to be yeah. a hybrid of i got you that's it i didn't see it that way but that makes sense um my my wife was actually because I always found it interesting and I couldn't understand. Um, like for example, whenever he would walk on grass, it would spontaneously grow and and evolve exponentially, but then it would just wither and die. And I couldn't understand that. But then my wife was explaining the same thing you said, that it's the idea that he is the one who gives and takes away life. It's it's not that he is just one thing. He is both. So wherever he is, he is both things. And um, I I found that very interesting, very charming. Um, I always I actually find it very peaceful and crazy how he walks on water and he hovers and like for example, it's not till he's for example hurt by Iboshi's rifle that he kind of like falls into the water but like he is something that's otherworldly that requ- that deserves respect um and and uh, it's interesting how over over all their movies but of course more and so this one um and of course with Ashitaka being the standing for Miyazaki uh, Miyazaki and team always find a way to tell the viewer, there's something greater than us humans. We as humans are limited. So we should be okay with simply doing the best of our ability. For example, that's one of the reasons why I love Whisper of the Heart. Because it shows what a young girl with a dream can accomplish. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I know what you mean. And that that's just the kind of thing that makes his movies endless, timeless. Not endless because they end, but timeless. Um, 
I'm going to watch these movies over and over again. I'm glad that I purchased it and I didn't rent it. Um, can we talk about the music for a bit? Um, isn't this... All the, all the Miyazaki movies have fantastic soundtracks. But the soundtrack for Princess Mononoke... Oh my goodness. Does a soundtrack ever influence such emotion in a movie that I... It's fascinating. It's like one of those movies that has no voice, vocal, almost no vocal work, but everything is just instrumental. But it it, it moves the story so well. Um, I like the music in Spirited Away, but it feels more as just situational and simple. The music here is active and and intertwined directly with the story, and it moves with the story. And I don't know. I I love it. Um, anything else you want to add on this movie? No, uh, not really. I'm just uh, I was just checking up uh, the uh, the composer and if it was something else he had worked on, but uh, that might be worth talking about. But it's only uh, Ponyo, which is which also is a Miyazaki movie. And, which is arguably one of the most weirder ones. Uh, it is even uh, even with uh, sp- even with spirit the way in mind, so to speak. Right. So it wasn't Joe Hisashi that did um, Mononoke. Uh, the Joe Hisashi, uh, all, uh, all, uh, also known as Fushawa Mamura. Sorry, if I. Uh, did the music for this too, yeah. Yeah, because Joe Hisashi is like their composer. Like he, he's pretty much done almost everything for them. Like he's done, Joe Hisashi has done, um, he's done Spirited Away. He did Prince of Mononoke. He did Totoro. Um, you could I, say he's uh, John Will. Uh, he's, uh, yep. What John Williams is of Star Wars, uh, yep. uh for um, Studio Ghibli. What I love about his music is that I am I those that don't know I am actually a trained classical musician even though I haven't played in a long time, um, and I'm a freak for Baroque and Renaissance music, and I the counterpoint and the imitations a la style of Bach that he does in a lot of the earlier movies like Castle in the Sky, it's trippy and amazing and beautiful and enticing and i'm gonna stop because i know i lost like 30 viewers as soon as i said bach um (laughs) but um yeah that's that's all i got man anything else you want to share any final thoughts before we close part two of celebrating ghibli anything for our listeners that you want to say before we close this chapter for now on ghibli no not uh, that I can think of. Um, so there you have it, folks. We at the Amateur Taku, we love Studio Ghibli movies. Um, I definitely believe this is another one that deserves an SS Plus rating. Isaac, do you concur? Ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay. Amen. And every word, uh, every, every version of the world. <laughs> Um, 
you should definitely go watch Princess Mononoke. Um, sadly, the Super Ghibli movies they don't are not available for streaming on any platform that I know of. But these are movies that you do not want to stream. These are movies that you want to purchase. They are beautiful. They are amazing. They have a lot to say in with very little words, but with a lot of imaginative imaginative visuals. Um, if you're a lover of stories, watch a Ghibli movie. If you're a lover of anime, watch a Ghibli movie. If you enjoy animation, watch a Ghibli movie. There's so many reasons. If you love amazing music and scores, watch a Ghibli movie. There's many reasons why you should give this library a shot. There's so many movies. There's almost, I think, 19. Isaac, correct me if I'm wrong. I think so. It's like 19. They're working on a new one. Hayao Miyazaki has come out of retirement at least three times. He's now out of retirement to work. He's working on a movie right now. I can't wait for that movie to premiere. Um, because if it's going to be like any of the others that we've discussed, um, it's going to be a head turner and it's going to be a wild ride. So in celebrating Studio Ghibli, we talked about um, Whisper of the Heart. We talked about um, My Neighbor Totoro. We talked about Princess Mononoke, and we talked about Spiritual Away. We have discussed um, probably towards the future recordings talking about more Ghibli movies because we love the entire library, since maybe one or two that are not um, our favorites. But um, we're going to keep it coming. And we have great stuff coming up in the pipeline for future episodes. Um, thank you for taking the time to listening to us. Uh, we always enjoy talking anime with you guys. Um, so let's do some plugs before we walk away. Isaac, where can we find you, mad doctor, sir? You can find me over at Emblemaniac on Twitter, and you can find my work with a uh, hopefully made, uh, hopefully finished Mario Maker 2 review uh, in the, uh, the uh, next week. Awesome. And we can find you where? Like I said, Emblemaniac on Twitter. But the the written work, we can find Revenge of the Fans. Oh, right. Sorry, I'm a bit, <laughs> I'm a bit off right now. Yeah, you can find my uh, written work on uh, Revenge of the Fans. Nice, and you can find me, Brandon Alvarado, at the Scarlet Fan Fifty Two on Twitter. Um, you can also find my written works, whether it's a percent seizure, a review, a crazy theory piece, or something Flash related or anime related, at Revenge of the Fans. Your place to go for all things geek and the amateur otaku content and podcast. Um, if you guys have anything that you would like us to cover in the podcast and an anime presents feature, um, whether it's a manga, whether it's an anime show, please let us know on Twitter at amateur otaku RTF or send us an email at amateur otaku RTF at gmail.com. That is amateur otaku RTF at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us. As usual, thank you for coming to the Amateur Otaku. Have it awesome, guys. <laughs>